0: Stay in your homes. Stay in your homes. Live from the
1: Forbidden Book Group Studio in Doppeltown, USA, it's NecroNamapod with your hosts, Mike Stoffel and Mike Moncada. Episode 152, Carmen Maria Mikado's Her Body and Other Parties, the stories of a bunch of women and a bunch of their bodies and the people who love them or hate them, and now, a Necronomopod!
2: So, hey. Here, hey, here we are again we are. in our several places.
1: <laughs> and we have a special guest. A very
2: special guest, You, who you are may remember t- from two, three, four years ago now. What who was remembers? the name of that
1: book from E. E.
2: F. Cottom? F.G. Cottom. F.G. Cottom. <laughs> F-G Cottom. <laughs> E.F. <laughs> E-F- Hotton, <laughs> F-G Cottom F.G. We read... Uh, when we read uh, "Lo, these many years," uh, the waiting room by F.G. Mm-hmm. uh we had a special oh, guest, uh, one Linda Koflemyer. Linda, can you say hello?
3: I'm saying hello to you guys, <laughs> to the mics, <laughs> the mics. <laughs> Thanks for having me.
2: Well,
1: it's great to have you. Good to have you. It's, it's good not day. in the biblical way. <laughs> <laughs> that would
2: be wrong. That would be wrong. <laughs> 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 for some of us? <laughs> <laughs> Um, so we're here to talk about um, a book. How did we pick on this pick this book? You were asking.
1: I well, yes, I was asking. You that. were asking
2: before we had to start over again. You know,
1: <laughs> I was very hesitant because you said, "Let's read a book of, by a person who's of color." I'm like, okay, uh, I'm Like that's our criteria. Okay, but I was pleasantly pleased and yeah. surprised. At yeah. That.
2: Um, and this, I mean, um, so uh, when, we, when we were originally thinking about, you know, doing a book by, um, by uh, somebody, POC, uh, we were thinking uh, African-American, African, something like that. Uh, Carmen Maria Machado is not that. She's of Cuban descent. Um, but, you know, um, but she's kind of out of like, we do a lot of white, dead white dudes or living white dudes. A fair number of dead white women, um, some living white women. Um, but, uh, you know, not very many people of color. So um, here we are, finally.
1: So we kind of thought about, like, each of us just, I guess, taking the lead or picking a story to focus on. Sure. There's how many stories in
2: this Uh, What is there? Book Like, eight? 12 or 8? Eight? 8. 8 stories. Yeah. Um, and, Would uh, you
1: say there's an overarching theme to this? Yes. Series of story.
3: Yes. Linda, what would you say it is? Oh boy, I didn't know there was a test. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I guess. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I I took a little note. I took notes because I was you took a nap. About this. What? <laughs> but um, here are some some themes I have. Uh, folk tales. Yes. Um, mm. I have uh, floors. Streets breathing like um, inanimate things have have breath. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Smiles become grimaces, and then uh, throwing up. Those throwing those are up, my yeah. those are my themes.
2: Yeah, and to to that I would add, um, uh, it is pretty much laser focused on women's issues. Well, especially women's. I didn't see it that way, but women's. Yeah. Um, you didn't. Okay? <laughs> well,
3: I mean, it was just like. Issues because they're <laughs> my issues, so it wasn't like I thought. A issue. lot of
2: the theme was on altering
1: the body. Ah. Really interesting things that alter bodies. Wow! Um, or how bodies are altered. Mm. Like the mm-hmm. story of the you know the, the woman who gets the gastric bypass and, right. ah, and yes, kind of the consequence of the woman with the the story that Lynn's g- gonna do. There's something mm-hmm. altered about yeah these bodies.
2: Yeah, the doppelgangers. the yeah. I would say I would yeah I'd say uh, yeah, altered bodies but just simply um just um uh body violence um and uh just the the a weird mixture of violence and sex mm. comes up a lot um what's weird about that <laughs> <laughs> oh nothing at all
1: <laughs>
2: um so yeah,
1: uh, I'm t- so is there anything you want to say about the author other than that she's of Cuban descent?
2: Uh, she's of Cuban descent. Um, she uh, has been toiling in the, uh, the trenches of various writers' workshops for a long time. Her latest book is called In the Dream House, which is a memoir of uh, the years, a few years that, uh, she was sort of for growing up, but mostly about the years that she was in an abusive relationship with another woman. Um uh so it's it's kind of marketed as a horror memoir but it's not it's not that um but it's it's unsettling in very familiar ways if you've read this book um but in that one she actually narrates it herself and I listened to it um and uh so uh lots of uh and she actually addresses how she writes and so I might be able to like bring some insights from that book into our discussion of these stories um, one of the things I kind of wanted to address up front with you, Mike, uh, uh, Mr. Mankata is that, uh, we rarely do books of short stories. Mm.
1: Yeah. I hate, I hate doing short stories. Yeah. Really?
2: <laughs> I hate
1: it.
3: <laughs> Why do you hate it?
1: Because, because you have to become more laser focused. <laughs> number mm. one. Yeah, we are <laughs> And, much and that short stories that. are like eating pretzels, you know, like, Hmm. um, you know, they're there and they're gone. Psh, yeah. Boom. You know, it's like
2: and you and you, you end, end up feeling a kind of
1: Twilight Zone episode or something. And you end up feeling
2: kind of salty.
3: <laughs> I was eating popcorn when I was reading last night, so maybe that's what you're talking sure. about. Sure.
1: With a with a novel, you have you can kind of meander and you can touch on things and yeah. You can there's you can uh, there's you know there's a theme that yeah. You know, I don't know. It seems easier to me. I think short stories are just, and you read so many of them, Mm, and how do you, within 30 minutes, kind of... Yeah. I mean, these stories uh, hang... What's that? Well, like our last time, we did a kind of a short story, and it was one short story, and that made it a little bit easier, because we focused on one thing. Mm -hmm. Sure. It's it's like the whole book of short stories. It's a little bit difficult. I think. Yeah, it's, so. it's
2: true. Um not my favorite
1: way to do it. Yeah.
2: So let's, uh, we don't have to go through these stories in order. Um, do you want to like address yours or should I address mine or should we um, throw? Uh, why, don't I address,
1: why, don't, why don't I address mine? And then Linda, you can do yours and Mike, you can do the last one because it's the longest one. Sounds good. So start reading. No. <laughs> <I'm sorry>. um, <laughs> So mine was real, bo- real, women ha- real women have real bodies.
3: Real yep. well, women have and bodies. Real women have yep. bodies, yeah.
1: Yep. And the gist of it is that there is a phenomenon, phenomenon happening where women are fading away. Yes. And in America, I don't know if it's happening anywhere else. Mm-hmm. And they don't know what's causing it. And um, they don't even know what's happening. Are these women fading away and are they dead are they what's happening mm-hmm. are they frozen in time and the story centers around lindsay and this girl petra and lindsay works in a dress shop and she finds out that petra's mother who's a seamstress is sewing women these fading women into dresses mm-hmm. And at the same time she finds out that Petra is also fading away. Mm-hmm. So it's just how she mm-hmm. deals with what's happening. So it's really the the phenomenon's told from her point of view. Yeah. And how people are sort of reacting to the this phenomenon. So the main thing about this story, I kept thinking of the movie The Women, is that there's probably one male in this in this story. But uh-huh. it's really women. Yeah. And if there are other men, they're seen on television. Mm-hmm. All are about women. And how women, how these women are responding to what's happening.
2: Yeah. So,
1: yeah. So I went, so it's, it takes place in a, mostly in a dress shop.
2: Yeah.
1: And uh, Lindsay works in this dress shop. And when she finds out that she what's happening that women are being sewn into these dresses and they're, they're the ones that people want to buy and nobody knows that women are sewn into the dresses what she, uh, she's horrified and mm-hmm. you know the, the last scene in the, the short story is she's going into the dress shop and trying to tear the women mm-hmm. out of these clothes and the women aren't, they don't want to leave they're, mm-hmm. they're there and uh, so.
3: Why did you think that the women were disappearing? Because I, I was struggling with that. At first, I thought, I thought it was a literal, like, um, uh, anorexia kind of thing. And then, then I realized that wasn't it at all. But I, I could never really grasp. And, and that's one of the things I loved about her stories. I could never really grasp what exactly it was about.
1: One of the, one I think that's the thing you don't know. You don't know what it is. You're just seeing how people are making sense of something that's happening.
2: One of the things I was, uh, I was kicking around in my head as I was reading the story was that um, uh, you could read it as um, uh, a lot of these stories. This one especially is about is about um, uh, women and how they are able to inhabit their bodies or not. Mm. Um, and in this one, it's it's pushing the case. Uh, there's um, that uh, the the argument that um, uh, women are really just their clothes and their makeup that's a, how some women uh, are a, a, is how they're um, uh, apprehended in the world, that's what people see, that's all that's left um, doesn't matter who the person is who's wearing the clothes, it's just the clothes
1: well b- the thing is, the, the clothes is in this story, is this focus, mm-hmm. but Other women, there was a scene where a woman's trying to... Well, she's inhabiting a stained glass. Right. Right? Right. So, it could be. I mean, I looked up, like, the symbol of a... What the symbol of a dress is. I was kind of riffing on it in my head Mm -hmm. about dresses Mm -hmm. in general. And I was thinking the first thing that came to me was Cinderella. Oh. Like, it's this dress that makes her. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the dresses that are destroyed, mm-hmm. that she, um, it's putting on this dress that she's transformed into something that she's really not, mm-hmm. uh, so that she can, uh, you know, get attention, get the attention of the prince, be somebody different. Mm-hmm. In Jungian psychology, and I kind of already figured this is where it was going, it's really your persona, your clothes, yes. are what you wear to the outside world. Mm-hmm. Um, Freud had a sexual, of course, thing Mm. about dresses and how they were cut and how dresses hid the fact that women didn't have penises. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Ridiculous. Well, and also that
3: they have legs. I mean, it shows legs, but it doesn't show where the... Where they hook on. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Um, I was thinking about the jewels that were sewn into the dresses of the Romanov women
0: Oh. and how
1: initially that protected them from being shot but then they mm-hmm. were still killed Yeah, I mean and the, and how you know in this story that dresses are about you know the, this thing that you're supposed to have mm-hmm. to um, inhabit the world you have to have mm-hmm. a special dress you have to spend a lot of money on it
3: yeah, these were super, that's the other super part about that. Ex- they were really expensive dresses yeah. and really fancy, like prom dresses. That's plus. what I was thinking of, yeah, plus.
1: I was thinking of the little black dress. Mm-hmm. Um, say yes to the dress. So that's yes where my mind, was, my mind was going to all these, what did you
0: say? Say, say yes,
1: yes to the dress. Say yes to the dress. <laughs> um What's that movie, Dressed to Kill? Or, um, mm. dress, Dressed to Kill. Yeah. It's yeah. Dressed to Kill. Brian De Palma movie. Right. Mm-hmm. So um, I think so. some women are doing some things. These women in this story are going to the seamstress because I think it's a way they cling to life mm-hmm. is this dress. You know, It makes them be... Um, seen, yeah. When you're not being seen,
2: yeah.
1: Because what do you see though? You see the dress. You don't see the yeah. See, only Lindsay can see the person in the dress, right? Really. Right. No, nope, right. everybody else just sees the dress. Hmm. Um. And somehow that makes you who you are. I yeah. mean, it's. It was a chilling. I felt felt like it was a really chilling story. I know, and it's and freaky and and heartbreaking. and heartbreaking.
2: And I like how um uh you know the it has this comp, complicated metaphor um that guides the story and that you can't it's really rich. You can't really nail it down. Um it says something about clothing, something about bodies, something about identity, something about um and uh, and the fact that it's only women that it's happening to. So it's it's uh it's it's a gendered disease or phenomenon of some sort. Title. Some,
1: th- some place I went to was also at the beginning was sort of, it was a little nasty. It was sort of like women telling other women how to be. Mm-hmm. Right. In this, like, some people, so Lindsay is like, you can't be in this dress, faded mm-hmm. thing. And then there's, uh, you know, women wanting to be in that dress or wanting to be in a stained glass window to do whatever they can, mm-hmm. and other women deciding how that woman's supposed to respond to something that's the horrific that's happening to their body, Yeah, right? Yeah. And then men saying, you know, what that is. They're, they did something. They're whores. They're, that's what's made this happen. Yeah. So... But... I'm, I'm cur- but uh, taking agency, mm-hmm. a woman wants to be in a freaking dress.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. So I thought it was like feminism gone al- al- awry a little bit. <laughs> yeah, or, yeah, awry.
2: Um, I, I want to go back to the, 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 the title of the story. So the real women have bodies, um, uh, which is a familiar sounding phrase, although it's not something that I don't think anybody really says. But you you, you can think of phrases like that. So if you said real men have, what would you say? Real men have, or real men blank, blank. Doesn't eat quiche. Real men don't eat quiche. Right. Real men drive trucks. Real men don't cry. Real men don't cry. Real men
1: are built for motion. Yeah. So real women, (laughs) real women what?
2: Real women are in the kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> right. So the, this title is a—it's a, it's, it's a gatekeeping—it's a gatekeeping phrase. It's like you know this is this is. I a, always
1: think the, fra- I, the phrase isn't real. I, I don't know if it's the real women have bodies is the phrase so much as women have real bodies. They yeah. talk about real right. bodies. They talk about yeah. like Barbie does not have a real body. Yes. And mannequins don't have real bodies, and they yes. want, whip, you know.
2: The dress is not going to look as good on you as it does on the mannequin. Because it's not a real body. Well,
1: hmm. right. Yeah. I mean, if you look at high fashion, mm-hmm. yeah. which I often do. <laughs> I know this about you. <laughs> <laughs> Haute couture. Haute couture. Uh, that, you know, it, it, the person that's inhabiting that dress, it doesn't really matter. It doesn't really matter. That's a spooky it's thing about 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 it. dre- It's, it's about, about the dress. It's about the
2: dress. I wonder if that was like one of the things that sort of fired the story up for the author, which was um, watching like a runway show and realizing that that could be a robot in there. Well, it's funny because I've watched a bunch of those, um,
1: you know... Uh, those shows where the they have designers and they have to compete with designs. They always have models, mm-hmm. but and they try to talk up the models a little bit. But really, it's about the dress. Yeah. It's about the way the dress looks and mm-hmm. and uh, about the person who made the dress. Not so much about the person in the dress. Yeah,
3: right. They're just a hanger, but the. One thing that I was thinking about, too, is the, the way that our main character was so lovingly treated the dresses, right? Um, even before she knew that there were mm-hmm. the bodies inhabiting them, I thought that was cool. And then the other worker was just like, didn't care. And so it was, I still wanted to know more about the, the owner of the shop, that mother.
1: I wanted to know about the seamstress.
3: Well, yeah, both of those—the mm-hmm. two mothers, right—the seamstress mother. and the and the owner of the shop—were very. I wanted to know more about them, but I, I don't know if we were to pretend what their backstory is. It's hard to.
2: I wonder if there's a. Uh, I wonder if it, uh, buried in the back of that is a, a story of the fates, the three fates: one who um, measures the cloth of time, one who cut, uh, no, one who spins the cloth of time, one who oh. measures it, and one who cuts it.
3: Oh,
2: that's how, you measure out your life that life that way. Interesting. Was it Clotilda Atropos, and I can't remember what the third fate's name is.
1: I just thought of that thing: the the clothes make the man. Yeah, they don't. There isn't a phrase equivalent of that for women, is there?
3: Um. Mm. I don't know if there's a phrase, but it's definitely. <laughs> I mean, dress for success and all that stuff.
2: The, dress for the job that you want, not the one that you have.
1: <laughs> yeah. I, I think the the great thing about this story is that you don't know why. hmm I think that was the best the best part of I mean the story was I thought the story was great. And the mystery of it made it even more yeah. haunting. And that there was nothing there was a scene where Petra saying They were saying that if you take cold showers Mm -hmm. or if you eat iron, that it will keep you in your body. And there's a scene where she's like stabs her hand with Mm -hmm. a dart. Right. um, Yeah. Freaks up. Like there was nothing they could do. To keep her in her body. uh, To keep her body there. Yeah.
2: Um, Yeah, it's crazy.
1: And Um, that their life wasn't extinguished. They kept saying they're incorporeal. Yeah. And uh out of body. Yeah. Out of, of, body. of body. Um shall we shall we move on? Yeah, let's move on. Let's just uh, Linda, just, is there anything else you wanted to say or anything that struck you about that story?
3: No, not so much about that story. I think um I will I, I will just say that I liked I liked the relationship between the two women. It was really I think it was yeah. out of the whole book that was the sweetest yeah. um sex and, and mm-hmm. just it was just nice.
1: Yeah. The, um, I spent the one weekend in bed eating chow mein, watching... It TV made me want to be a
3: lesbian.
1: I really did. Oh, yes. Me too.
3: <laughs> I
2: think this book makes
3: everybody well. No, but it, maybe is, is, it was very maybe that's why, loving. Well, the
1: dress and the seamstress, it's all about scissor sisters. <laughs> <laughs>
3: scissor sisters.
2: Wow. Okay. Um, the, the the next story, which we're not going to talk about in any real depth, is uh, is was eight bites, which is another body story about a woman about women's bodies sort of disappearing. It's about um, uh, uh, stomach uh, uh, was it gastric uh, bypass sur- yes. surgeries. This is a um, good story. That was a really good story, and it wasn't that one didn't seem particularly supernatural. Um, like, it did because there was a thing. Yeah. Was, oh yeah. You're right. There I'm was pretty that pretty whole that was creature. Pretty, there was the creature that was—that's that was, that was, right. There was a creature that was created with all of the part of your body that you sloughed off. Right. Yeah. Sort of like a, that. She
1: had to live with that creature the rest of her life. Yeah.
2: Sort of like a sort of like a lingering late life afterbirth. Yeah. It was very creepy and interesting. Um, so that yeah, that's that's why it feels like those two stories, which are uh, one after another, um, sort of make a, a piece. Um, but um we'll just move on to the next story then which is so linda you want to do your story the first one
3: yeah i can do it um so uh, i was really glad to have read the that that was the first one because i read the whole book then and then went back and just read the husband's Stitch again this morning or this afternoon and um Reading it again after kind of getting into her voice more, like, I mean, I was blown away by the story the first time I read it, mm-hmm. absolutely. And then the whole book kind of built on these, like you said, the main tropes of, for me, it was folk tales, because this mm-hmm. first story is all about the stories we tell, and it had this great ancient. Feel to it, which I think is very hard to get in modern literature. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think
0: there
1: is a folk tale about this exact story, isn't there? I'm I mean, not sure. I'm, I'm thinking. I I'm, looked it up, and it said that there was. So. There, <laughs> there is. Okay. Oh, cool. cool. I'm answering
2: my own question. No, that's awesome. good. Um, I remember from another. I, I remember the story from another source, which I can talk about later. Um, but yeah.
3: So, um, yeah, and reading it the first time. I was just struck by the the asides, mm-hmm. the the um, where she says, you know, read this in this voice or, or if you're reading this aloud, yeah, if you're reading this aloud, do this. And I was like, what a great way to draw in the reader in a way that I had not seen before. Um, and I'm, I mean, I'm not the most well-read person, but that was that just was it grabbed me. Mm-hmm. Um, but the story in general. Uh, is kind of follows the story of this woman and how she has a. I guess I'll say a sexual awakening, at, um, a party. She basically chooses her mate, mm-hmm. and she looks back on that night and and I thought that was cool. Where she's like, well, you know, I could have ended up with this dude or this dude, and maybe it was a Christian missionary, and we would have gone here. So you have that moment in your life where you realize. That the mate that you choose has brought you down a certain path, but um, anyway, she she has uh, it kind of goes through her story of with with her then who then becomes her husband, and you know they have a child, and it just goes. It's a it's a very plain spoken story, but she keeps going back and forth to these these folk tales um but she changes them i mean and i don't know what the stories are but you know you have your goat man or whatever and then she's like well you know the end of this story but it's really different (laughs) uh and i always i always wanted to go on but i i just have a couple quotes here that were so uh just jumped out at me um one was, what magical thing could you want so badly that they take you away from the known world for wanting it?
0: Hmm.
3: And there are two things in this world observed by, by a single set of eyes, by only a single set of eyes. That was, that was kind of the, the horror novel in there. Mm-hmm. Um, scoffing is the first mistake a woman can make. And then the second was pride and the third was being right.
0: (laughs) Mm.
1: Wait, this was in the story or you thought this?
3: This is all from the story. These are actual quotes.
1: Quotes, yeah. Yeah.
3: And uh, the last one I'll share is he keeps his sorrows as close to himself as he is open with his desires. And I think the, the story told a lot about her husband, how he was, in my mind, so greedy. And he took... Everything he wanted, and she was willingly giving everything to him except this one thing. One thing. The one thing she asked was that he not touch or remove this this ribbon she had around her neck mm-hmm. and a charm. And it seems so simple. Like, just give her the one thing she's asking for.
2: She gives you everything <laughs> else. Yeah. Everything, and then eventually, eventually, she gives uh, the their son also takes everything,
3: mm-hmm.
2: um, uh, and she does it willingly,
3: right,
1: cheerfully. Well, I felt like this woman had so much agency in this story. Like she knew exactly what she was doing and why she was doing it. And mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. She did. So what
1: is that? So what is that, you know, that one thing that you say no to that then you desire the most?
3: I guess, but it was so tempting. It was ridiculous to to not have a boundary that you could set. Like everyone should be able to have their boundaries. And yeah. she had this one little boundary. And even the description of her with the um with the uh, oh the uh, in the artist studio, the model, she has this one thing that she kind of loves, this woman, and she describes it to her husband, and then it's 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 ruined. Hmm. He just takes that away from her in a way that she can't get back. I don't know. I, I found it. You might have seen it as agency. I saw it. It's very sad.
1: <laughs> well, it could still lead to sadness, right? I mean,
2: yeah, as I was reading through this story, um, uh, I was remembering, um, what's that story, the uh, Gone gone Girl, Gillian Flynn's Gone Girl, Hmm. Um, and um, there's this uh, bit in it where uh, the girl who is gone talks about the fun girl, the girl who does everything that the guy wants, She can drink tequila shots and have sex all night and go parasailing and then back to the tequila shots and then dirt bikes and more sex. And this is a story about that woman who's also, you know, somebody's wife, um, but she has a limit. There's a there's an edge. There's a you can't go past this. Um, And uh, it's something about that that dynamic between men and women where the man wants it. It's like, oh, I see the edge. I want to step over it. I want to step over. I
1: kept thinking of Frida Kahlo for some reason when I was reading this story. Interesting, that her paintings stitched together, hearts sticking out, mm. Um, mm. and how. But also that here was this really talented woman, and still her husband continued to <clears throat> supersede her in so many ways and try mm. to control her. And yeah. she had all this this gift that uh, was sort of kept. Contained a little bit, mm-hmm. at least the way I have read her story. Yeah, and I kept thinking of Frankenstein, mm-hmm. or the Jane Seymour uh, Bride of Frankenstein, who had the. That's when I was going to talk tell you about the thing around the brooch and the ribbon around her neck. That was the uh, the
2: the the early seventies. Um two T V TV TV movie.
1: Frankenstein, Peter Saracen. Michael Saracen as, Michael Fra- Saracen. as, as Frankenstein's monster. That's Frankenstein. exactly right. That's and what I was they, thinking. He just pulls her head up.
2: Yep. Right <laughs> yeah, the, right where the her head was stitched down, right where the mm-hmm. ribbon covered it.
3: Yep. Oh I yep. didn't yep. yep. I did bar. not think about that. That <laughs> makes sense.
2: And I was also thinking of Bluebeard,
1: you know, the don't go into that room yeah. mm-hmm. if you stay out of that room. I mean, that's such a fairy tale yeah.
2: sort
1: right? sort of thing. Don't do this thing. Yeah. But doing the thing always leads to something more. And we don't know what happens. We don't know why this woman has... This, this is a great thing about this author. Yes. You don't know why mm-hmm. she's like this. <laughs> nope. And you don't know what happens next. And you just see <laughs> from her point of view, her head sort of falling off her body and uh-huh. just sort of the perspective and then kind of mm. like does he stick the head back on does he yeah th- what happens we
3: you don't know she might be dead she might be dead like you damn fool yep
2: yeah and it's not just the husband because the kid starts to, the son starts to, to play at the ribbon too at some point
1: men will play at the ribbon they, they just can't the leave alone can't <laughs> leave, leave the ribbon, ribbon alone, alone. Men, leave. This should be a t-shirt. Men, leave the ribbon leave
3: alone. alone. <laughs> <laughs> no, so, but it was. It was a good. It was a good beginning to the um, to the whole series of short stories because it kind of laid it all out there, right? Yeah,
2: yeah. It's um. It's among her. The w- thing,
0: mm-hmm.
1: Go ahead. Well, the other thing that crosses my li- my mind, Linda, and it's going off to of something that you said. in the the beginning was it's sort of like I think people think that I think there's this mythology that if you marry somebody you're supposed to give everything to them (laughs) Mm -hmm. and that you own especially in kind of traditional Christian like you own that person's body yep yep, and what they do with it and it's like oh fuck that you know (laughs) like you get to keep things to yourself yes for yourself right um so it
3: maybe is true. she gave too much I don't know, but she certainly was I, I I'm not seeing her as a total tragic figure because you're right she had she had autonomy and she um, she made the choices she made
2: yeah and it's funny that the her husband her boyfriend and husband is a nice guy in quotations. He's a, yeah. he's a decent enough guy. Um, he's certainly familiar. Uh, you know, these people, um, right. uh, but, um, but yeah, it's just that there's that one thing that he's got, that he wants and he he decides to go for it. He decides to take advantage in a moment of weakness. I mean, so there, are, um, and it happens later, you know, the kids, the, the child has moved, has moved out of the house. It's just the two of them. They're empty nesters at this point. When he finally yep. gets, gets the, takes the ribbon off, and and her head goes rolling off, eye by head, <laughs> like a little bowling ball, like a little, little bowling ball. ball, seven ten split. That's going to be tough to pick up.
1: So, is there anything else you
3: want to say about this, guest Linda? Uh, I I have more stuff about other stories. I don't have anything else about this one. Okay, it's making me a little so queasy what? right now.
2: Yeah, it's making you queasy. Yeah. <laughs> Getting a bit squee.
1: <laughs> well, Mike, do you want to talk about your... Sure. One, one that you chose?
2: Yes. So... it Stole from me? No. Yeah, <laughs> I just, just snatched it right off from under you. Um, so... Uh, Don't uh, let the devil steal your joy. <laughs> so the, the story I'm, I'm going to try to talk about uh, and fail um, is, um, <laughs> is Especially Heinous. What's the subtitle of Especially Heinous? It is... Um 2272 views of Law and Order SVU.
1: I really want to see this become a TV show. <laughs> I think it would be awesome. Wait,
3: isn't it already?
1: Law and Order SVU is a real
2: not show. Not this not no. this thing in this book. So, um uh, to my to my shame, I have not gone on to Wikipedia to look up if there are the main characters of Law and Order SVU are named Um, Stabler and Benson. Um, um, It doesn't matter. I've
1: seen Law and Order SVU, and I haven't seen any
2: of these things in Law and Order SVU. Oh, so
3: it's not even... uh, Yes. And SVU
2: means Special Victims Unit. So that is the unit of the uh, NYC uh, Police Department that deals with rape victims, child abuse, all kinds of, you know, where there's uh, vulnerable victims. Um, in fact at some point in the story uh they list uh there's a there's a two three-day hiatus when there are no crimes in in new york city and they list all the crimes that are not happening and those are basically what the svu covers um
1: yeah so olivia benson is uh the woman uh uh-huh and Elliot. Stabler is the man. Christopher Maloney plays him. Excellent. And Mariska Hargitay plays the Olivia Benson. Uh-huh. So, yes. Excellent. <laughs> those are actual
2: people. That's fantastic. Um, I have never seen an episode of Law and Order ever, and um, it's just not my kind of thing. Um, but this is a, this story is um, is an experiment um, in. Uh, trying to fictionalize uh, a, something that people write and so in this day and age um, uh, people who binge watch they would go onto Wikipedia and they would go to the episode by episode plot synopsis pages and that's what the yep. story is it is, a, yep. it is a, basically a Wikipedia plot synopsis yep. breakdown episode by episode um, how do you make a story out of that with great difficulty and to be able to pull it off which she does is remarkable um, so uh, basically, this story is about uh, Stapler and Benson, um, who are uh, doing their jobs, you know, uh, week week after week, solving crimes in New York City. Um, and this is and this is twelve seasons of it. Um, and there's all these strange little storylines that get pulled through it, and it becomes supernatural pretty quickly. Uh, what are some of the storylines? Um,
1: there's a doppelganger to each of them. Yes,
2: there's doppelgangers. So, so Stabler and Benson each have uh, doppelganger twins um, named Abler and Henson, um, and uh, they look, uh, they do their jobs. They're like mistaken for them uh, as they're uh, going to crime scenes and such. Um, in fact, the, the DA, uh, who is a woman, uh, is sleeping with Henson, and eventually, by the end of the story, is uh, with Benson um uh, there's also
1: the, the the ghosts of the dead girls who are showing up in Benson's mm-hmm. house yes. with bells in their eyes yeah so the, so
2: the girls with bells in their eyes this is one of the major stories that goes through all most of the seasons um, uh, victims of these these young women rape victims murders and, and murder victims uh, start showing up their ghosts and they, they call they refer to as the g- girls with bells for eyes um, and eventually uh Benson is able to communicate with them um, uh, and at some point she actually vacates her spirit and so that they take over her body um, and get to live a little bit um, and they, you know, get things a little confusing. At one point, uh, using her body, they go over to Stabler's house and knock on his door at 2.07 in the morning and give him a big wet kiss, which then Benson, when she wakes up in the morning, does not remember. (laughs) <laughs> In fact, uh, Stabler doesn't speak of it for like two seasons. <laughs> um, so there's that story that's going on. Um, uh, there's Benson's. There, there's uh, Stabler's wife. Stabler's wife has talks about um, she was abducted by a UFO. Um, but she has very um, rote memories about um, the the night being misty, that it was spitting. That she would run her hands across these iron bars and she would make made her fingers smell like metal and that whenever she was asked to recount the experience she would say these same words well it turns out she's masking um, because she was actually sexually assaulted um, and the uh, Stabler, her husband, uh, can't leave it alone so he calls in a favor he pulls the he pulls the ribbon pulls the yeah he pulls the the
1: Dan ribbon yeah
2: pulls the (laughs) pulls the file finds gets the gets the um gets the uh the crime report um keeps that in his back pocket for a while eventually lets her know that he knows what happened and she is so violated by that um my favorite little bit is uh at one point she uh stabler is uh, dressed as Batman, taking their kids out for a trick or treat, and uh, his wife, who hasn't been speaking to him, she's so angry that he's done this. Uh, grabs the Batman mask, pulls it off his face, and lets it go a couple times to smack it across his face. And he's like, "Ow!" She's like, "Doesn't feel very good, does it?"
1: <laughs> yeah, she's mad at him for like two seasons. She will Yeah, two it. seasons.
2: Yeah, for, <laughs> for they have, uh, for they taking have her mask over off.
1: for thanks. They have Benson over for Thanksgiving. Oh,
3: that was a good episode. The, yeah, that was a good
2: episode. That was a good episode. Remember that episode? <laughs> uh, um, so um, this story is um, is so complicated that I don't really know how to talk about it. Um, I can talk about a few parts of it, which I've already been doing. One of the things that struck me most that I do want to spring up is that it's kind of metafictional, in w- which means that it draws... Uh, draws to your attention the fact that these are characters in a story. Um, at, uh, at several points, um, the characters say uh, that, um, like, they, they look out of the book um, and say, stop reading. I don't want this anymore. This has to stop. As long as you keep reading, this keeps happening to us. Stop reading. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And, a, and another point, um, uh, Stabler and Benson have this theory where these these bodies are showing up with bullets in them, but no, ex- no entrance or exit wounds. Um, and they developed this theory that um, people are born with their organs in them, and that they all fit together as if they were grown that way, which we know to be the, the case. That's how people grow. But in this world... It doesn't occur to them that that they're that people could be, you know, organic, and grow up. It's very strange. <laughs> they're blown up. They're, so what do you think she was trying to?
1: What do you think she, well, the point she was trying? Was she making a point? I mean, what is she? I honestly,
2: she's trying to
3: communicate.
2: Honest in to God, this story. I have read this story five. Times.
3: And it's a long story. And it's a long, a long story. story.
2: I listened to it three times. I read it. I read it on the page twice. I was like, holy shit,
1: she's gonna do twelve yeah. seasons <laughs> of this yeah.
2: story. Every episode. Um, one of the things uh that uh and this is bringing outside knowledge into the story. Um what? in her uh in her memoir, uh in the dream house, she's talking about uh one of the things she talks about is how um uh, while she's going through this difficult relationship uh, with her partner um, uh, she's also like doing writer's programs she's writers in res writer, writer, writer in residence at a couple of you know MFA programs and such like that and she has to produce work good work but she doesn't have the head for it because her home life is so fucked up so she says she says one of the reasons that I started experimenting in fragmentation which is what she calls it is because I couldn't put together six paragraphs uh, in a row um, I was so upset and broken um, that I could just do these little chunks um, and that's they're what like little poem yeah like little poems, yeah, like little poems. Um, so it's, it's really fun mm-hmm. to this book this story works it does not work as an audio book very well because um, everyone starts with a title and then you have this little description sometimes it's just a line sometimes it's a Paragraph or two, at the most, I think one's like a three quarters of a it's page. It's pure plot. It's pure plot, but there's a vibration between the little title and what's going right. on in the story every time, and it's really productive. So um, let's just pick one here. Yeah, Where I was just
3: it? I was just gonna pick yeah, two. Yeah, pick one, and read, read it. Up. Rotten. Someone keeps leaving sacks of perfectly ripe produce in a trash can. Henson frequently finds herself pulling it out, taking it home. Scrubbing the beets hard. How crazy. How weird to let a good thing go to waste. Right. And then after that, mercy. The gunman lets all of the hostages go, including himself. Including himself. <laughs> that's the whole, whole episode. The whole yeah. episode. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so, I mean, what, what are you, you take from that second one? The gunman lets all the hostages go, including himself. So he was a hostage. So you're like, this whole story starts building in your brain in this, two, in this one sentence.
1: Um, you really do the whole... You really do complete yeah. the story in your head. And I think ah. that's what...
2: I think that's what this, this makes this story so great. And I think this is a great story. Um, is that episode by episode, they are all really rich and fruitful and, like, make you think. Like, what could this actually episode be like? Um, and then they speak to each other. So you have... Um, the, the one that the first one that Linda read Rotten someone keeps leaving sacks of perfectly ripe produce in the trash trash, uh, trash can well it's Benson she's As, buying all that produce yeah <laughs> so she's buying all those produce and then she like sort of dumps it uneaten um, but then Henson finds it and starts cooking it And but then later there's this this dire recall that Benson hears on the television that you know this tainted produce and so what does she do she makes herself this elaborate stir fry using her, re- finally eating some of her vegetables, eats it all, and then starts making another one. She's going to double down um, uh, and eating this vegetables because she's, I don't know, because like, she's depressed or suicidal or something. Um, one of the favorite, one of my favorite cookies in this story, at the very, very early on in the story, I don't know if you can, can you search by, for a word?
3: I don't know how to do that. Let's see if I can figure out how to
2: do it. Um, The word oops appears twice in a story. Hmm. Um, And one is very early on. Uh, And I'm still going to try to find that. So, it is in the uh, season one or two. Pandora. Benson is lonely without the bells. Her apartment is so quiet. She stands in her doorway staring down at the white line. Um, uh, she takes her big toe and probes it so the white line is she's made uh, she's attempted to keep the girls with bells for eyes away from her while she tries while she's sleeping so she makes a circle of salt which is you know standard magic practice Um, but after having that work for a couple of days she um, decides to mess with it so she takes her big toe and probes it she remembers being at uh, the beach with her mother when she was a child and burning her feet on the hot, smooth sand. She pushes her toe, breaking the line, and says, oops, but doesn't really mean it. And then it happens again in the very last season. Um, bang. A bomb goes off in Central Park. It was beneath a park bench the whole time. No one is sitting in the bench and it detonates, and the only casualty is a passing pigeon. The serial killer sends a note to Benson and Stabler. All it says is, Oops. <laughs> and I think that's really intentional. So whatever she's, she does by opening up that, that salt circle mm. and that bomb. So in, one of the, in the very first season, there's a, uh, an episode in which a serial, a, a bomber says that there's a bomb under a park bench in Central Park. And they say, do you know how many benches there are in Central Park? And they <laughs> search them all. No bomb. Eleven seasons later, the bomb goes off. Um, um so this this, yeah this book is this story is full of these little stitches um and uh they may lead to something they may not but it's this you can read the story because i read like i said i read it five times i could read it again and find more stuff every time the story
1: really reminded me of house of leaves
2: yes yes it did i don't know
1: why i don't know why it did but it feels like it's akin to it Mm -hmm. So here's the thing that I'm thinking about with this book. I mean, it, it when you get when somebody's telling you a really good fairy tale, you do enter like this. There's a little bit of a trance state. Mm-hmm. You enter that whole once upon a time is actually supposed to like shift your brain yeah. into a certain state, and it feels like with her, you're in this. It's a dream world mm-hmm. yeah. of stories that anything can happen and it's not all even like in fairy tales it's not all explained it just happens yeah and then you're supposed to make sense of it yeah that made sense for you yeah and you are in sort of this very they're very dreamlike yes this story this and the repetition not the repetition but just that flow of those little synopses yeah really kind of puts you in this other I know state of mind (laughs) Um, and you're actually like seeing, I was actually like seeing like these little scenes of an episode like zoop, zipping by in my head. Yeah. Very, very dreamlike, very nonsensical in some ways, not logical. It's not a lot. These aren't logical worlds. No, no. That she puts you in. There's, but they're sort of emotional, they're emotionally logical.
2: Yeah. Not, there's a, there's a, there's another one late in the, I think it's in season 12. It's just that the, the episode is called Penetration. And I think I, ha- I, think I can recite it without even looking it up. Yes. Yes. No. Yes. No. 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 Oh. <laughs> that's the whole episode. And you don't know who that is. That's an E.E. E. E. Cummings
1: poem yeah. right there. Yeah. And you don't know who
2: it is. Um, you suspect it might be um, Stabler and Benson trying <laughs> to get it on. Who knows? Um, it could be something about vegetables. It could be something about vegetables. Um, there's another <laughs> little bit where um, uh, Stabler says that he discovered that he does, he's not even a little bit gay. Remember that? Yes. I and like, what is that about? Um, and we never hear anything ever again about we, it. We hear one thing about eight seasons later. He says, um, remember the, the priest and, the, and the, girl who, the girlfriend who knelt into the air? Um, yes. Um, I think what that what happened there was that he made out with that priest, because he says later on um, that Father John uh, didn't just touch Stabler and uh, the girl who knelt into the air. Hmm. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> it's like, oh, he had sex with the priest, or he tried to have sex with the priest. Well, I hope they did. I hope they did. <laughs> I hope they did. Good for them.
1: That in fictional character
2: having gay sex with a baby. Um well, so I mean that's all I have on this. I, mean, I I all I can do is 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 um is offer up my per- per- my perplexity and enjoyment of this story. Um and Linda, what
1: do you have anything to say about this story?
3: I think it I, well, it made me a little more weary, maybe, than than you all. But um, I thought it was... I liked its quirkiness, but then after, like, because it was so long, <laughs> I started getting, like, okay, I needed... Either my imagination was tired, or I needed some more, like, concrete characters. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it was it was fun it was fun in the way that i like puzzles Mm
0: -hmm.
3: so it was it was kind of a. how
1: how is it like puzzles
3: well you know the whole like okay this is the the doppelganger and trying to fit in what's the through line of this whole thing um Mm -hmm. but but it was you know it definitely asked a lot of the of the reader
2: oh yeah i really did (laughs) Yeah. I mean, Maybe
3: I'm lazy
1: just au- that lazy author making us do all the work. I know, right? Work.
2: I got other things to do. I got to make dinner. <laughs> I have to say though, the first time I read when I read through it, I had the same reaction. I was like, "This is yeah. exhausting," and I was like, "Okay, oh, season nine. There cannot be more than nine seasons. Season ten. I go like, oh, for the love of God. Season eleven for God. And season twelve. This better be the last one, and it was." Um, <laughs> And the, one of the weird thing is because I was listening to it on audio the first time, uh, I didn't realize that the story had ended because uh, the narrator would just give you a title and then start talking. And uh, she'd been doing that 272 times. And so when she said, um, real women have bodies, I thought, oh, is this another story. And she kept talking and t- I'm like, oh, this is a new story now, finally. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's weird. Yeah,
3: I probably Speaking would have of- a different reaction if I read it again. Yeah, You're
0: right. probably
1: would. I think I am gonna go read it again just to see what I, it feels like. I recommend it.
2: Um, and it, the the second reading seemed a lot faster, and all the subsequent readings, same. They just. It, I really want to see him do it though. <laughs> <laughs> it's
3: so odd.
1: it's sort like hoping. a cross between X Files. Yeah. And uh,
2: Twin mm. Peaks. Buffy. And, and Buffy. <laughs> and Buffy. <laughs>
3: The bells, the girls with the bells. That's what made me yeah. think of Buffy. Yeah. I and
2: mean, we really didn't talk about the, uh, the doppelganger thing, which is funny because since we live in Doppeltown... Uh-huh. Um, well, what we should be talking about though is cocktails. Yes. Ooh. Oh my
1: God. I'm thirsty. <laughs> so, so it is cocktail time. All right.
2: Well, sir, what are we drinking? Well...
1: Let me put in my passcode with the secret <laughs> recipe that I wrote down. <laughs> so we are Im- imbibing in a wonderful August repast. Of- <laughs> From a crystal bowl. Yes. Did your mother have one? Oh, my yes. My mom had one of those. Oh, yes. Where they had baby showers. Yeah. Yep. They pull out that damn crystal bowl. And, and, the, the, and the, then those the, plates. The little cups that would little, hang off the
2: edge. Li- the edge.
1: And those plates that kind of had a weird shape and a little divot to put your cup in, your punch cup in. Oh, right.
3: You had the fancy set. That was super fancy. Well, yes.
1: Well, it's very Italian. <laughs> That's where. Okay, I went. so here. So this drink goes like this: you take 750 mils sweet vermouth. You take 750 mils Campari. I suppose you can use that other artichoke. Aperol? core, yeah. Mm-hmm. One cup assorted seasonal fruit. <laughs> <laughs> so like pumpkins and tomatoes? Well, what did we use here? We used, we used blueberries and uh, what do we got in here? Some raspberries and some blackberries. And a big old durian. And then 650, <laughs> 650 <laughs> ml Prosecco. Mm-hmm. And then get yourself a blood or- orange and slice into, like, uh Starburst, you know? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Nice. You put all the liquors in a punch bowl at a big-ass ice cube. So what my mom used to do is take one of those ring molds. Yes. Oh, yeah. And, and put water in it, put it in the freezer, dump that into the punch bowl. Thank God we have one of those. Thank God. Add the fruit and then the Prosecco <laughs> and stir gently and drink.
2: And enjoy. With your... Uh, And little teacups with your pinky sticking out. Right.
1: (laughs) Sitting on your lap with your ankles crossed. (laughs) Eating cucumber (laughs) sandwiches with the crust on off. (laughs) And drinking your punch. (laughs) We're just guzzling it down in giant (laughs) coffee mugs.
2: (laughs) So what are we calling this... Thing. I forgot what we are calling saying. it uh, her body and other party punch.
3: No, 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 no. no. We're calling it, it difficult at parties. Difficult
2: at parties punch. At parties. Difficult at parties <laughs> punch. Difficult at parties
1: punch. <laughs> Colon. Her bodies and other party punches. <laughs> <laughs> it would be fun if we were ever going to service to float a body in the punch. Exactly. Or put little bodies in the ice. I'm, oh. sure the ice mold. I'm sure we could get like,
2: you know, like, like hands and faces, ice molds, and just have those floating in there.
1: Love, that would be awesome. We should do that next time Definitely. we ever
2: get together, maybe three years
1: from now. Yeah, two or three. All right. Well, Linda, what do you think of our delicious cocktail?
3: I can't get enough. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right. Well, chin-chin. Chin-chin. There it is. Cocktail time is over. Well, why don't we head on down to yield basement? Yes, You'd select our next book. Hey, we're in the basement, and Linda's here. Hi there, guys. How did you get down here? How did you get here before us? <laughs> I took. Did the, you uh... find the secret door?
3: No, I took the uh, fire pole. Oh, that's, oh that's what that's
2: for. <laughs> Here I was just stripping with it. <laughs> All right, Mike. What's so, our, uh, so our next book is, we haven't done one of these in a while, a graphic novel. I don't remember ever doing one, but okay. We, we, did, uh, we did Uzumaki way back in the day as a oh, manga Yeah, yeah didn't we do Vampire D and we did Vampire Hunter D another manga oh
0: Vampire <laughs> Hunter D
2: <laughs> and uh, we may have done another one but this one uh, those are those are Japanese mangas this is an American graphic novel um it is called My Favorite Thing is Monsters by Emil Ferris um it is uh, oh My Favorite Thing is Monsters book one by Emil Ferris there is no book two as far as I can tell um <laughs> But I saw this looking out at me from a, uh, a bookstore window. And I got in- interested and I looked it up and I went and it, it. Was it following you with its eyes? Well, it was a little bit actually, yeah. Mm. Um, but um, just flipping through it here, the whole thing is done on ruled notebook paper. Right, can you see this? Well, I can see it,
1: but our audience can't. Yes, it's ruled notebook paper. And it's all
2: done with a uh, ballpoint pen. So all the drawings are ballpoint pen. Uh, Mostly black. Each.
1: Did she do each book? She drew each book. It's for itself. She never went through print. She just did each copy by hand. I. I. Yeah. I mean. I think she
2: just. um, She drew every page. Wow. Every page. All right. So um, it's. I've never seen a graphic novel like it. So I'm pretty excited, and it comes highly recommended. So that is what we're going to read next. All right. Well, I guess we're forced into it. So let's do it. Uh, here
1: we so go. So Linda, are you are you gonna try to go up the pole?
3: Because
0: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: we're gonna we've got stairs here. Uh,
3: I'll I'll be behind you then. All
1: right. Okay. Well, let's leave the basement. All right. Let's go.
0: I do want to try going up that pole.
1: Well, here we are out of the basement, and Linda yes. I did follow right behind us. Uh, I'm, I'm <laughs> Her a little legs winded. look like a little chafed. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we haven't greased that pole in a while. Not in a while.
2: <laughs>
1: so, any anything else, so Linda, as our guest? Anything yes. else you want to say about this book or a story that we didn't touch on very briefly, or anything that
3: strikes you about this
1: author? Or what did the, when you were finished? What did this leave you
3: with? What's the feeling it left at you with? Wow, those are good questions. Um, you know, I was I was talking earlier about the the artist colony one.
2: Uh, residency.
3: Yeah, residency, and I, it seems like I've read a couple books now that have that as part of it, and I can't remember that one that other book I read recently oh, that I don't know. was some. Um, Anyway.
2: Well, you should give some context. You have been on uh, Yes. You have been a resident in an artist colony.
3: Right. In fact, just last summer, a year ago, pretty much exactly, I spent the month of July in um Wyoming at this Brush Creek Artist Ranch. And um it's just fascinating to hear and, and, and similar to that there were authors and composers and um visual artist. So in this book, there was a painter, a composer, a sculptor, a photographer, photographer, and then she was the writer. Yeah. I think that's it. So this, uh, this microcosm of, of their living situation and uh, kind of how you get in your head so deeply when you're doing your art. And I, I thought it was really interesting and, and, and frightening so at it, the same time. Did, <laughs> did
1: it ring true to you? The, like the, the, the feeling sense of it?
3: Um, sense I of mean, it? I, I liked the people I was, I was with yeah. more than she did. Um, yeah, this story but I could see part, part how it could get dark really fast. Sure. And the other one was, was dark that way too. This other book, uh, Because that was my least favorite story. Oh really? Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't my favorite either.
2: Like, what was that about? Yeah, that one seemed like it was somebody. It
1: seemed like it was her neuroses,
2: right? (laughs) Yeah. Well, it seemed seemed like her at a residency, like having no ideas, and so simply like just bubbling up whatever crap was going on. Uh, It's probably not the case, but um, it's easy enough to. It it seems a little too easy to accuse uh, the story of that. but it was—I uh, mean, it, it didn't—it didn't seem like of a piece with the rest of the
3: stories. I think I probably just liked it because it, I, it was something that I could identify yeah. with. Oh yeah.
2: Totally. yeah, It resonated with you. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, it's interesting. Well, yeah,
1: anytime you like, yeah. anytime you carve out a space and say, "Well, I'm going to work on this now," mm-hmm. then, oh boy, it's <laughs> its very,
3: <that's> very vulnerable. <laughs> yeah,
1: very vulnerable, and all the comparison and. Oh yeah. Uh, Oh yeah. No, I just. And then all those little quirks kind of stick out for you and of other people and drive you nuts. Absolutely. <laughs> drive you but nuts. she devolved very quickly in story in that story. She did.
3: She, yeah, yeah. It probably doesn't hold up as much. She tapped out very early. <laughs> but she did throw up a lot. Yeah.
1: She got real So, upset. so I'm very aware of the time. Yeah. How about like Linda after reading the whole? This whole book with stories like what, like what's kind of lingers for you?
3: Damn, mm. I think it's just that I want to read more of her. Um I think it's a voice that I could identify with, but also was very intrigued by, and also the buzz around this in just our small group of friends found out that like. Two other women had already read this book, and I was like, "Holy cow! Oh. That never happens to me." Yeah. So that it was just.
2: Yeah, they had
1: come to it independently. Yeah.
3: Um, it's very cool. So, well,
1: what I really liked about it was that linger that I liked uh, how she approached sex. It was very matter of fact. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I liked that it was just sort of
2: like it was there hmm and yeah she 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 wasn't she shy from it at all
1: no and she didn't like pretty it up or she mm-hmm. didn't not it was, all, it was there a, yeah it wasn't romanticized right mm-hmm. i really like that
2: yeah the uh her and wrote, i left with the kind of the heebie-jeebies when it was all over <laughs> 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 yeah well i recommend i recommend her memoir because uh, she's uh that's very much uh carried through that and she's you know she's very forthright about um her own uh her own uh, sexual journey um and it's very uh um freeing it's very free um to to just have somebody talk about it as if they're talking about the traffic going by or the
1: weather yep, yep. so exactly um so
2: so good on her
3: yeah <laughs>
1: All right, kudos to you. Kudos it was to a good all book. Of us. It was a good book to read on vacation.
3: Oh, good. Oh, good. I'm, glad. Yeah. I'm glad. Good to have you back, Mike. Oh,
1: yeah. <laughs> um,
2: well, what should we do with this sucker? Well, obviously, we need to walk up to it. Yeah. You grab one end of the ribbon. <laughs> <laughs> Linda, you're gonna catch it. Uh, I'll grab the all
1: other the basket. Go catch the head.
3: And <laughs> here we go.
1: <laughs> ah! Bink, Bing, 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 All right. See ya, Linda. Thanks for coming. Thanks, thanks for thanks, having Linda. me. Maybe we'll have you back.
3: Maybe it's a long, it's a long uh, pandemic you're front we got.
1: You're back. It's a long yes, pandemic.
0: <laughs>
3: <laughs>
0: all right.
1: All, all right.
2: Bye. Right.
0: Everybody, everybody, like to see you at the party. Get your shoes on, don't be tired Things will be jumping at the party. Everybody, everybody. Things will be jumping at the party